Thank you for supporting the media outreach of New Covenant Christian Ministries. Through the powerful preaching and teaching of Pastor Bill and Dr. Deanne Johnson, family relations are being restored. The wayward are returning to God. And together, we are transforming all people into fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Join us now for a message that will strengthen you in your faith and encourage you to be all that God has designed you to be. Open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. We're going to be in verses 6 through 10. And today I want us to talk together through the word from the thought, becoming a grace giver, becoming a grace giver. The New King James Version, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, starting in verse 6, it says, But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. As it is written, he has dispersed abroad, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Verse 10, now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food Supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. In these verses, I'm sure that there are many things that God could talk to us about, but there are four areas or four things that I believe we can lift up today that will help us to be grace givers. And let me say this. If you've been following along in the series, you understand that the reason that we've been talking about biblical giving and grace giving is because giving doesn't happen naturally. Three of you know I'm right about it. It does not happen naturally. It takes the grace of God because we are not naturally generous. We come in the world always thinking about mine. And many times we never grow out of that. So it takes the anointing of God to make us grace givers. And the first thing that we've got to do to be grace givers is we've got to learn how to give generously. Can you say that? Give generously. Look at verse 6. It says, but this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Now, sparingly there means, of course, moderately, but it also means stingily. So if you sow stingily, you're going to reap stingily. How's that for deep Greek? (laughs) 
And then he also said, but if you sow bountifully, you're going you're gonna to reap bountifully. Bountifully, interestingly enough, comes from two words. It comes from one Greek word that means over, and the other Greek word where we get our word eulogy, which means to speak well of or to bless. So when you sow with an over-blessing, then you're going to reap with an over blessing. I like to say it like this. I like to say that our giving should speak of the overwhelming blessing of who God is and what he has done for us. Saints, listen to me. Generous sowing ends up in generous reaping. Proverbs 11:24 in the English Standard Version says One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Luke 6.38, I I wouldn't even have to have you to turn there. If I started, you could go with me. Luke 6.38 says, give, come on Bible students, and it shall be given unto you, how? Good measure, Pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give unto your bosom. But you know that, you know what? The verse doesn't end there. We, we quote that part and want to shout. But the verse doesn't end right there. Because the verse goes on and says, For with the measure that you use, it's going to be measured back to you. We don't like that part. We just want the good measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over part. But we don't want to acknowledge the fact that if we give in a thimble, it's coming back in a thimble. But if I give in a wheelbarrow, it's coming back in a wheelbarrow. So how we give matters. Our generosity matters. As a matter of fact, the end of that verse in the, uh, the Living Bible says, whatever measure you use to give, large or small, will be used to measure what is given back to you. And the New Living Translation says it like this. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Sometimes I think to myself, Lord... Is this representative of what I want you to multiply and give back to me? See, you can shout about a hundredfold return on a hundred dollars. A dollar, a hundredfold return. You don't want to talk, but I'm going to preach anyway. We've got to learn to give generously. We have to learn to give generously. Why? Because In our kingdom, what we keep, we lose. But what we give to God, he takes it and then he increases it. It never fails. So we have to learn to give generously. Again, it's not something that happens to us naturally. We have to be willing to go above and beyond. Some of us have finally graduated to giving God the tithe and we're ready to stop. Mm-mm. Where are my 8 o'clock people? I need them back, Pastor. The 8 o'clock folks was hanging from the rafters. Yeah, I know who I hit today. Yeah, 
Some of us think, I've made it now. Okay, God, uh-uh, you got your 10%. Now don't bother me no more. Let's tell the truth. Let's tell the truth. And the truth of the matter is that we are not given until we start tithing. You can't get to an offering until you get to the tithe. So it takes generosity in the heart for us to be grace givers. Not only do we have to give generously, but we have to give purposefully. Verse 7 says, so let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity. Purposes there means to choose before. It means to prefer or intend. Let everyone give as he has intended in his heart, not grudgingly, meaning not miserly, not with sadness, not with grief, not with heaviness and not with sorrow, and not out of necessity. And that phrase in English will throw you off because it sounds like meaning don't give when you have a need. That's not what it means. Out of necessity means with constraint, distress, or arm twisting. In other words, don't give when somebody is trying to twist your arm to give. Don't give out of manipulation. Get out of the, oh Jesus, get out of the condition where the only time you want to release something is when somebody lies and tells you if you stand in the $20 line, you're going to get a blessing. Don't give grudgingly and don't give out of necessity. I'm not saying that God doesn't speak, but my God, if all God is talking about is 10, 20, and $50 lines, we got to pull God. I thought about this when I was preparing. I'll never forget talking about giving grudgingly. Um, We were in a service. We were in a conference, a pastor's conference, my husband and I, thousands of pastors there in this conference, and we had already given to the conference, which was great. And then uh, one of the conference leaders, he gets up and he starts talking about, we just need everybody to give $10. Well, as soon as he said $10, Elder Margot, I went down in my purse and I got my little wallet out and I got my 10, crisp 10 too, a good looking 10. Can't remember whose picture's on one, but he was looking good. He was all ironed out, nice 10, ready. And then he kept on going. It's just $10. I was like, "Uh uh-oh. Uh Uh-huh, and that's why some of you, your churches ain't blessed because you don't want to give $10. It's just $10, $10. And the more he talked, the more I felt Brooklyn rising up. You know, all these years, I just knew I was an official peach. I lost all my Georgia. I went straight to New York City. What? I was hot. And he kept going on. Some of you, you're not prosperous because you don't want to give $10. And finally it hit me. I said, where's my wallet? I took that nice crisp $10 bill. 
I put it back in my wallet between, between that 5 and that 20, where I got him from, because it's got to be in order. I put my wallet back in my purse. I zipped my purse up, took my foot, and slid my purse up underneath the seat. And I said, there'll be no giving of $10 today. Why? Because I understand the principle. He says, give not grudgingly. And I knew at this point I had an attitude. And so even if the ground was good, I made the seed bad because my attitude was bad. And I don't believe in releasing my seed anywhere where it will not multiply. Thank you very much. Somebody somewhere going to ask for $10 and they're going to get this 10 and it's going to multiply. Because the Bible says don't give grudgingly or out of necessity. So I'm going to tell you something that most preachers won't tell you. If you got an attitude, keep your money. Don't give it because God will get it done with you or without you. Glory! Yes, he will. I know the God that I serve, and he will never let his work tank because of somebody's stinginess. God is so bad, he'll make somebody that ain't even a part of your church generous and come and do what you will not do. Board looking at me like, don't lean on that too hard, Pastor. Don't lean on that too hard. But they know I'm telling the truth. <laughs> give generously, give purposefully. Here's the third one. You're going to make it for the buffet today. <laughs> the text shows us not only to give generously and give purposefully, but it teaches us to give cheerfully. Listen, God does not want a sad giver. God does not want a mad giver. God would like to have some glad givers. It says in that same verse, so let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity. Why? For God loves a cheerful giver. If you've been in church any length of time, you've heard this scripture and you've heard it said, and it is true that the Greek word there for cheerful is hilarious. It's where we get our English word hilarious. God loves a hilarious giver, meaning he loves a giver who is willing, who is good natured, who is joyfully ready. And it literally describes a spirit of enjoyment in giving that sweeps away all restraints and is in itself contagious. Watch this. I want you to think about something funny and just start laughing. Just go ahead, start laughing. I know it's church, but it's okay. You can start laughing in church. And not everybody can think of something funny, but those of you who... (laughs) Y'all are silly. faithful. (laughs) When I thought of this illustration, 
as a lawyer, sure it's going to work. <laughs> and it absolutely did. It worked it's the third time, and it works every time. Listen, now you notice, you started laughing. Some of you did not start laughing immediately. But when people started laughing, you started laughing because they were laughing. This is the thing. I turned around and I looked at Jacqueline and she still tore up. See, she, I think Jacqueline and I are related for real. Because, see, that's how we used to laugh in my family. We still do. You know, we laugh till we cry. So now she's leaning over. Wiping her eyes and leaning over because laughter, after a while, you're not trying to be dignified no more. You don't care what you look like anymore. The joy of what has, what has entered into your mind, it just makes you lose all restraint. But here's the other thing. When you get like that, people around you don't even know what you're laughing about. And they'll start laughing with you because the joy is contagious. Come on now. He said, give cheerfully. Give in such a way that you have such hilarity in your giving, you lose all restraint. And those around you even though they didn't intend to start giving like that or feeling about giving like that they see you and they say oh this thing is good I got to get in on it I can't even help myself a cheerful giver God loves a cheerful giver listen sometimes it isn't even about Spending money or giving money. He loves a cheerful giver irrespective of what you're giving, even of yourself. Some of us need to be pra- uh, practice being cheerful givers of ourselves. Come on now. The advent of caller ID. Phone ring. It's caller ID. You see whose number's on the phone. Oh, uh-uh, child. I answering that. She talked too long. Ain't nobody got time for that. But what if the joy that God has put on the inside of you, what if what God has done on the inside of you, what if you answered that call and gave yourself for 15 minutes? Yeah, she talked a long time, so just listen, because you know you're not going to be able to get a word in edgewise anyway. But you don't know what the seed of that giving will do in that other person's life. So be a cheerful giver. Don't always complain when you, ha- when, the pre- when you are presented with the opportunity to give. See it as an opportunity. Oh, here they go again with an offering. You the one need to put it back in your purse. I'm preaching good, ain't I? This is good right here. This is delicious. I hope y'all are enjoying it because I am. So give generously. (laughs) But it is. Because you know folk won't tell you this. They're not going to tell you this, but I'm going to tell you the truth. Give generously. Give, oh, wait, 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 wait. I'm sorry. I'm thank you. Thank you, Lord. What has happened is we in the church have co-signed on our own poverty. 
because we've held the tongue of the preacher hostage from teaching on giving because some have mishandled finances. But just because somebody jumps off a building and kills themselves doesn't mean I should stop telling you that gravity works. Some of the most impoverished people are people of color that come to church every week because we want to shut our ears to the message of giving, but we will spend $400 on red bottom shoes to shout all day long and sweat out clothes that we still got the tag in because we know we can't afford it and we got to take it back. Look at somebody and say, she sure ain't scared to preach it. I thank God for a church where we are free to preach the truth. Anyway, let me get back because that didn't come out in neither of the other two services. So it must be in the room. So we're going to give generously, we're going to give purposefully, we're going to give cheerfully, and here's the last one. We give expectantly. We give expectantly. Verses 8 through 10. Verse 8 says, and God is able. Now I could stop right there. I could stop right there. We give expectantly because God is able. God is able able now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask think or imagine according to the power that works on the inside of us many times we have been made to feel in the church that we should not give with an expectation because we're said, you know, you're supposed to give and you don't with no expectation of anything coming back. Anybody in here from the South? Anybody in here know anything about farming? Is there any farmer you know that has gone out and planted a harvest with no expectation? Planted seed with no expectation of a harvest? That is ridiculous because the law is seed, time, and harvest. And if you take good seed and put it in good ground, it's going to produce a harvest. But somehow we have allowed the enemy to have us think that when we give, we should give with no expectation. Listen, giving your motivation for giving should not be to receive. But when you give, you should have an expectation that when you give, God is able. And the text goes on and it says, and God is able to make. You don't even have to go any further than that. I want you to think about this. God steps out of nothing into nothing, says something, and everything that was not became. God 
God is able to make. Listen, God is still a creative God. In other words, God's so able to make that if what you need is not existing right now, he's got the power to make it just for you. I got the spirit of Melinda Dool on me right now. God is able to make. So whenever I give, I give with expectation, not of the seed. I give of expectation from God who is able to make. But look at this. It doesn't just say God is able. It even tells me what I can expect. Look at the text. See, see, we read the Bible too fast. We read the Bible too fast. It says, and God is able to make, first of all, all grace abound toward you. You can expect God to make all grace abound toward you, which means that is divine influence and favor in excessive portion. Did you hear that? Divine influence and favor in excessive portion. So, in other words, you can expect God to move on the hearts of people that said no to you before and to turn around and say yes now. You can expect God to move on your behalf to do what you cannot do. Beloved, don't fool yourself for a minute. The stuff that you need, you need it by favor. You're not going to get it by your degree. You're not going to get it by your connections. You're not going to get it by your fraternity or your sorority. You're not going to get it because of your job. You're not going to get it because of equal opportunity. You're not going to get it because somebody thought you were cute. You're going to get it because of favor. And when you saw, when I saw, we can expect God to abundantly favor us in excess of what we ever imagined. That's what I expect of God. I can expect God to make, look at that, it says all grace abound. What, what, what kind of grace you need, girl? Oh, it don't matter because I got all of it. <laughs> you need grace for healing? I got it because it's all. You need, you need grace for, for, for uh, provision? Don't worry about it. I got it. Because I can make all grace abound toward you. Hey, what I love about God is this. While he's making all grace abound toward me, he's still got enough grace to make it all abound toward you. To expect God to make all grace abound toward you. Look at here. It doesn't stop there. Because he says, now may he who supplies seed to the sower. Oh, wait, wait, wait. No, no, no. Don't, don't jump ahead, Johnson. Don't jump ahead. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you, look at here, always having all sufficiency in. He's the God of all. You can expect God to provide all sufficiency in all things. There is nothing that you and I need that God cannot provide the sufficiency for. Oh my God. Sufficiency, that means 
God, we can expect God to give all that is needed for self-satisfaction and contentment. Everything that is needed. Now listen to me. Sometimes where we get messed up, because some of you sitting here right now say, well, that can't be so because he still hasn't provided for me. You sitting here breathing, right? You are sucking up air right now. See, we confuse, bro, we confuse what we want and what we need. But he says we can expect all sufficiency in all things. This is where I live my life. If I think I need something and God isn't supplying it today, that says to me I don't need it today. I don't need it today. Let me, let me help you. You remember the Israelites? You remember when they were coming out of Egypt and they're going, they're on their way to the promised land, but then they have to walk in the wilderness. And you recall that while in the wilderness, they start thinking back to Egypt and they start thinking, ooh, I remember the onions and the leeks and the lamb chops and the chicken. Well, you know, I might have added a couple of items on the menu, but you get the point. I'm hungry, y'all. This is my third service preaching. I'm hungry. <laughs> but then when they start desiring something to eat, God says, I'm going to provide for you to eat. And he sends manna from heaven. You know the word manna literally means what is it? Because God's provision you can't always put your hands on. You may not be able to identify it, but it's exactly what you need. And the instructions were that I'm going to send the manna and every day get what is enough for you and your family. Eat that. And the next day, trust me that I will have the provision you need for the next day. And as long as they were following the instructions, they had every sufficiency for, that they needed. Come on, come on, come on, New Testament. Give us this day our daily bread. It was only when they did not want to trust God with the daily sufficiency, and somebody got the bright idea look, we're going to eat this, and then we're going to get us a little something, something, and put it in our purse and take it back to the crib just in case. God don't come through tomorrow like he said he was going to come through. And when they did that, what was designed for today spoiled, it became destroyed, and it stank, the Bible said. Some of us are living in the middle of stank situations because he said, I'm giving you all sufficiency. What you need is what you got right now. If you don't have it now, it means you don't need it now. You can expect God to give you abundance for every good work also. That's what it says here. He says, God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. 
Don't run past that one either because that means increased resources to meet the needs of others. Because this is what I love about God. God will take care of your needs and then he will allow you to have enough to help somebody else. I keep, th- I keep thinking about what happened, was it last week or two weeks ago when the word of the Lord came to Apostle and he had an altar call and then God showed him that one of the people had an, had an urgent need, an emergent need, and we were able to give toward that because we've got to live in such a way that I'm not always just looking at my needs being met. But God is so good, what he says is, I'm going to take care of you so that after your bills are paid, you can turn around and pay somebody else's bill. Girl, I, went, I came running up here. I, you know, I love it. I tell the altar, the, altar, um, the armor bearers, I was like, oh, go, go get my wallet. Go get my wallet. I'm not going to preach this and miss out on it. He gives us increase so that we can be a blessing to others. Are you still with me? We can expect God to make all grace abound toward us. We can expect God to provide all sufficiency in all things. We can expect God to give us an abundance for every good work. And this is the one I love. We can expect God to supply seed and bread. We can expect God to supply seed and bread. Look here in verse 10. Now may he who supplies what? Seed to the sower. And bread for food. I want you to see this now. Seed to who? Seed to who? Bread to who? Bread for food. So I think one version says bread to the eater. He, we can expect him to generously provide for what is needed for my giving and my living. Now this is where you got to be careful. Let me teach you for a second. This is where you got to be careful. You got to make sure that you don't eat your seed. Make sure you don't eat your seed. He gives seed to the sower. He gives bread for food. God will make sure that you have what you need to eat. But he will also give you seed to sow. This is critical because seed will make bread. Bread will never make seed. Seed will multiply. Bread can only be eliminated. Mm, It's coming to you. Are you seeing that? And sometimes where we mess up is what we have in our hands was not our bread. It was our seed. But we ate our seed. And then when we had a need to come up, we didn't have a harvest. And we're mad at God and talking about God didn't meet the need. And God is saying, I met the need because I don't wait till your need comes to provide for you. I give you the provision before it ever happens. I gave you the seed so you would sow the seed. So at the time when the need would show up, there would be a harvest on what you sowed. And that harvest was intended to meet your need. 
But sometimes we consume the seed. This is how I live my life. I'm not saying this, you know, you have to do exactly like me, but this is the safe place for me. What I do is I say, God, show me. Is this a seed or is this bread? And one of the ways that I measure it is if I have a need and I have provision in my hands, what I do, Uncle Rick, is I say, if it can't meet the need, it's got to be a seed. If it does not do what I believe I need done at that moment, then I'm going to sow it. Because I know that if I put it in the, in the ground, it's going to come up a harvest at some point. So you and I have got to be very careful that we uh, learn not to eat our seed. Uh, in the second service, I, it, I got this image in my head. Y'all know I'm so visual. And I was sitting there and I was thinking, that's why some of us are so dissatisfied. Because we're sitting there chewing on seeds. They're tasteless. They're hard. They're grainy. They don't satisfy. They're hard to swallow. They want to come back up. They're not enjoyable in any way. Because it was never intended for you to eat it. It was intended for you to put it in the ground. And that what was hard, that hard exterior was designed to break off because the life-giving force is on the inside of the seed once it goes into the ground. Since he gives seed to the sower and he gives bread for food. Are you all right? And then I can expect God to multiply what I give. Look at this. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply, look at this, supply and multiply the seed you have sown. See, don't fool yourself. You didn't buy your own seed. He supplied, in God good, he'll supply the seed and then turn around and multiply it for you. He'll supply it and then he will multiply it for you. Meaning he will increase fully to a large supply. And then he ends up and he says, and increase the fruits of your righteousness. We can expect God to increase, increase the fruits of our righteousness, meaning enlarge the lasting results of our generosity. See, when you and I give in the kingdom of God, it doesn't just stay right there. My mind keeps going to a couple of years ago when we uh, had, what was it, in 2012, build a well in 2012. And we gave to the, to the well campaign. Today, somebody is drinking clean water from a well in Uganda because we sowed seed. The, I don't know about you, but the seed that I sowed could not pay for a plane ticket for me to get to Uganda. Most certainly, it could not build a well. I, don't, I know many things, but I don't know nothing about building no wells. But when my seed and your seed and your seed and your seed was put together, it could go to a place that many of us have never gone to. It could accomplish something that many of us would never even imagine happening. Now, just think with me. What if somebody who previously had not had clean drinking water comes to that well and drinks and has the, and has the revelation that there were Christians back in the United States who gave for that, and that suddenly opens their eyes to the greatness of God? 
and they decide this God is different than anybody that I've heard about. I want to put my faith in him. And they get saved at the well. When they leave the well, like the woman, they go and they tell the story. There's a God who moved on people so far away that we do not know and provided living water for us here. And while the living water is good, this water is good, he's the living water and you need to know him. And then they get saved and then they run to another tribe. And they go and they tell somebody else. Before you know it, our seeds of righteousness have been multiplied. We gave cash, God gave life. Are you seeing that? So this series is not about filling the coffers just to have more. This series is to get us to a place where we are free where the enemy no longer has us bound to the place where nothing can come in in abundance because we don't know how to release it in abundance. So let's make this declaration together. And and if, if you feel like you're not ready to make it, make it anyhow. Say what I said anyhow, because right now I'm the authority. Say this, say, Lord, I see the importance of being a grace giver. No matter where I am, in my journey with you, I can do more. So I'm asking you today, make me a generous giver. Make me a purposeful giver. Make me a cheerful giver. And when I give, let it be with expectation that you are able able to make all grace abound toward me. me. Lord, my prayer today today is that you would make me a grace giver in Jesus' name. And if you believe he heard and answered that prayer, then give him glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We hope you've enjoyed this message. For more information on other products and materials, please contact us at 770-484-9300, Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Or visit our website at www.newcov.org. If you're in the Atlanta area, we invite you to join us for one of our dynamic services. Once again, thank you for receiving the living word of God from New Covenant Christian Ministries, where we are transforming all people into fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ.